Welcome to the Behavioral Health Collective podcast, a community of behavior analysts who are passionate about sharing our science by connecting families to information that promotes meaningful behavior change. We're a community of practitioners who seek to empower parents by sharing effective behavioral strategies and evidence-based practices from the perspective of behavior science. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Erica Ng, the founder of the Behavioral Health Collective. If you haven't yet heard the first of Michael Maloney's two interviews with me, I'm going to highlight a couple things just to introduce him, but please do go back and listen to those episodes. So in the first interview, he has a parent join him to discuss his work, specifically in remedial literacy instruction and the power of behavior science tools that he uses, including precision teaching and direct instruction, along with behavior analysis. In the second interview, he talks about parent coaching and specifically the criticism trap, also kind of touching on rapport building between parent and child after that. Over the course of his 45-year career in behavior science, Michael Maloney has written 30 books and taught over 100,000 children to read. He has another 30 books that he says he'd like to write still, and just came out with a reading instruction app that is quite effective in teaching kids to read through highly structured lessons that make it really easy for parents, caregivers, teachers, EAs to use. Michael has helped thousands of adults as well learn to be proficient readers and go on to be successful in college and then a vocation after having had to change careers due to workplace accidents. Michael also provides consultation based in behavior science to families, also to behavioral health organizations and individual practitioners, both locally and via telehealth all over the world. Also touch a little bit on measurement of behavior and reading instruction as that really is his niche area. So let's get to it. Good morning, Michael. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? I'm well, Erica. It's cold and snowy in Ontario today. Oh, boy. (laughs) We did have (laughs) snow here as well, surprisingly in Vancouver, but it's now melting. I can hear the rain outside. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here again. So last time we spoke... We, you shared some thoughts on the criticism trap and rapport building between parents and children. And today, I think we have a couple things on the docket. So you wanted to speak a little bit more about what parents might experience when they're first making some changes to how they address challenging behavior. And then we're going to touch a bit on the academics as well to wrap that in there at the end. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. Maybe to start, not everybody has listened to those two previous episodes that you have been on already. So for those that have not heard that yet, could you just give a brief description of how you work with families and maybe some of the challenges that you see when you first start working with families? Right. Okay. Well, typically families come to me because they're facing a problem. Sometimes the problem is defined as behavioral, a child who's not appropriately behaving. Most of the time when I find that, I also find a child who's in deep trouble academically. And my work is predominantly teaching children academic skills, not necessarily just dealing with behavioral problems. So although I did spend three years in a school system working with children who had behavior problems, and every time I found one, I found a child who was also highly deficient in skills. So the secret, part of the secret is to make sure the child has skills, because once they have those, they drop a lot of that 
you know, insidious behavior. So parents wouldn't usually show up at my door very desperate because they've tried everything. They've gone through the IEP process, they've gone through the testing, they've gone through everything, and now they're right at their wit's end. So uh, they come and I usually find the child is very depressed in that sense and they're not eager to do anything. They feel like failures. The kids are a mess, right? And it's true for like 100,000 kids so far. So my emphasis is academic. And you were saying in previous episodes to kind of the typical profile of client. Could you kind of describe that? Because I think that's helpful for parents to hear. Uh, like <laughs> yeah. The majority of your kids are. Absolutely. 80% of our students over like 40 years were male, between 9 and 12 years of age to usually closer to 9. Grade three, grade four, a problem at school, and can't read. So it all starts with the child who is deficient in skills, but who won't sit still in a classroom and do what the teacher wants. And that gets them into trouble, which gets them to my door. And we wind up teaching them reading, and then if they want, spelling and math, whatever else they need. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So really, by empowering them academically, you get that, that kind of secondary collateral of better behavior in the classroom as well. Well, they don't need that garbage behavior because now they can do it just as well as any other kid. Yeah. So skill building. And nothing beats success. That's right. Yeah. That's amazing. Could you touch a little bit on how you measure success when you're doing reading instruction? Sure. How fast is your heart rate right now? Oh gosh. I don't know. Uh, You don't know. The answer is I don't know. No idea. How fast are are you breathing? Not sure. I've not measured it. How fast do you talk? I don't know. Okay, those are things we do every day, each and every day. We've been doing them since before we were born in some cases, and we don't have a frequency count. We don't count them. Mm -hmm. So if we want to track behavior, you have to count it. And so whether it's number of times that the child, you know, complies or number of the times when the child resists you need to count them. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why the, the... And you have to record it because you have to be able to see it over time. Mm-hmm. And what we have in academic circles is we have standards that say a child should read 150 words a minute if they're a fluent reader. Mm-hmm. You should be breathing at 25 to 30 respirations per minute. Your heart rate should be somewhere between 65 and 70 if it's resting. Mm -hmm. You walk at 120 steps a minute. You talk at 200 words a minute. You know, we have very specific things that we can, and when those things don't work, we have to go back and find out, well, which component of this is not working? Mm -hmm. And we need to fix that in order to fix the entire string. So you will measure the fluency or the rate of reading and then yeah. kind of dial back into very specific skills. Is that what you're That's saying? In fact, I, you, if we were going to teach a child to read, we'd teach them the thousand most common words. <clears throat> that thousand most common words, <clears throat> excuse me, that thousand most common words will allow the child to read 85% of everything there is in English. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't start with the words. We have to split them into two groups those that are phonetically regular and those that are not. Mm -hmm. Then we teach the sounds for those Mm -hmm. phonetically regular words and teach them to blend them together to get the word. Mm -hmm. That's really very simple. Mm -hmm. 
and then we teach the irregular words a different way. So now we can go down to the very smallest component, the sound and the symbol that makes that sound, and go from there to the complex things of reading novels by Herman Melville. Mm-hmm. So you're really building upon the smallest skill and then just growing from there, but not jumping ahead. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that the whole work of behaviors? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And just, I think it's just a, that's helpful behaviorism for, applied to reading. Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Behavior. Yeah. Is, or sorry, reading is a behavior. And I think sometimes we forget that maybe in the school systems, when we're teaching skills, we jump ahead and we try to teach more complex skills without having those basic skills in place. Uh, yeah. We don't have a roadmap. That's the problem. Our teachers don't have scope and sequence charts. What's the scope of this learning? What's the sequence in which things are being done? We don't give those to teachers. Yeah. They're out there doing the best they can with what they think is going to work. And it's I pity them. They are really in a hard situation. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Boy, and I think teacher training would be a whole other conversation as, you know, someone who has been through teachers college in Canada and that's conversation for another it, time. It but... would be called effective. Yeah. It's I had a gathering of 300 teachers. I asked them how many of them are satisfied with the way in which they were trained to go into a classroom. 299 of them were not. One was. Yeah, that's not surprising, to be honest, unfortunately. No. Well, one other thing I wanted to ask, maybe we'll have another conversation about teacher training another time, but how do you target comprehension? Because I know that's a common question from families or for teachers and EAs. This kid can decode, but they can't understand what they're reading. So how how do you tend to address that? Well, they got the court and the horse in front of the cart again. Mm. You know, the skill of decoding is required at fluent levels if you're going to learn how to comprehend. Mm -hmm. If I am working so hard to get the information off the page that I don't have any brain power left to figure out what is it telling me, Mm -hmm. my comprehension scores are going to be horrible. Yeah. And you have to get them to a point where they're ready to begin comprehension. Then you need to lay that out in a scope and sequence chart as to exactly how they're going to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Like higher order thinking skills, like deductions and analogies. Zig Engelman did a wonderful job of teaching us how to teach that. Use the rules, use examples, use non examples, get them to a high level. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that it's a comprehension problem. 99% of the time, it's going to be the lack of a fluent decoding system that the child has in order to begin to attack comprehension. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we found in our learning center over the years was if you taught a child good decoding skills, their comprehension went up by about a year. Wow. As a simple, we weren't even teaching comprehension yet. Yeah. It's just a side benefit of being a good fluent reader. The fluency, so that's key. So starting with small steps, getting them up to proficiency where they're very fluent, and then you can build on that. And there's the collateral growth of comprehension when they're fluent. Yeah, but you got to be very careful because there are very few programs out there that are actually going to teach you how to do that. Zig Engel wrote most of them. If you're not using a direct instruction program of some sort, 
you're probably not going to get those results. Right. Actually, I did want to ask you about that. So you mentioned in the previous episode, the National Institute for Direct Instruction, and they list all of their programs there. Now, there's a number of them for reading. Are there, is there one or two that you particularly use? Or well, that you if you're teaching recommend? the parent yourself, I would go with the one, the, the only one Zig ever wrote for parents. It's called Teach Your Child to Read in a Hundred Easy Lessons. Right. Yeah. But even that requires some skill. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to do that without any need to learn a whole bunch of new skills, you could simply use our digital reading program, which combines direct instruction and precision teaching, and it's all buried inside the computer software, so you don't have to do anything. Right, and that's your app, uh, so I'll link that as well. Yeah, Correct? yeah. Okay. So, and then there's, I mean, there, there are a number. Anita Artwork, anybody who's working with any of her work will be well rewarded. There aren't many. There aren't many behavioral approaches to teaching reading. Headsprout is another one. Oh, yes, Headsprout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm familiar okay. with that. Uh, but that's about it. It's a very short list. What about for whole class instruction? Is there one in particular? Oh, yeah. I love doing whole class instruction. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you got you Again, you need the skills. What you want to do is split that class. Yeah. Three groups. Mm-hmm. Let's say I've got 25 kids in my classroom. Okay, I'm going to split them. The top 12 are going in the big group. The next eight are going in the middle group, the last four are going in the last group. And I'm going to teach those 12 very quickly. Mm -hmm. And the eight are going to get more time, but not much more. Mm -hmm. And the four little guys, they're really going to get it. And when I get them sitting down with me with my back to the wall and them facing me Mm -hmm. and knee to knee with my weakest child right in front of me. So when I look up, I'm looking right into his eyes. If he's got it, they've all got it. Mm -hmm. And I can see the rest of the classroom. I can manage it from there. Hey, team one, you're doing a wonderful job. Sarah, take two points for team one. Mm -hmm. So I can use my behavior management skills. I can coach and teach. And I can have the kids measuring one another, Mm -hmm. practicing with one another. It's just a system that works like, you know, like wildfire. Mm -hmm. That's great. And is there one curriculum in particular from DI that you would recommend, like reading mastery or corrective reading or something like that to teachers? Uh, it, it depends. If you're in special ed, you'll want the corrective reading series. If you're in a regular classroom, the mastery series would be great. And again, there's there's all of the other ones. There's our whole system of teaching reading, the teacher children to read well and toolbox series. We have the advantage of inc- incorporating direct or precision teaching in with ours so that's something that zig didn't do yeah okay. but that's the benefit of having ogden lindsley as another of my mentors yeah that's incredible wow <laughs> yeah all these great sciences put together into one package so. yeah and you can see it in a classroom when you're sitting with your back to the wall and four kids in front of you and 16 out here working hard all following the rules the behavioral rules of the classroom all getting praised and points for doing things right, chance to to help another child learn how to mentor, I and mean, it's it really is the best of three different technologies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's a great example too of what that can look like in the classroom. So thank you for sharing that too, because mm-hmm. 
helpful for teachers and EAs to, to hear that. So It'll only work if you have a DI program. Well, I'll be sure to link those programs, not just the website, but specifically the reading mastery and the corrective reading as well. So thank you so much, Michael. It's been great to have you on the show three <laughs> times and to hear your perspective on so many different topics because you have such a wide breadth of knowledge and experience. So thank you. Well, I've, yeah, I've been around a long time. So, you know, you collect experiences and I'm happy to share them. So especially you're a great uh, interviewer. You ask the right questions at the right time. So thank you. I appreciate that. It's been such a treat. So thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy your family day. You too. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much again for listening. The comments and views expressed in this podcast do not constitute or replace contractual behavior analytic consultation or professional advice. Views expressed are solely the perspective of the speaker and do not represent the views or position of their colleagues, employer, or other associates. Please seek at a behavior analyst through the BACB website if you would like to receive further behavior consultation. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Take care.